if you're still finding your way. That's Buddhist. Even if you've got it all figured out. That's I want to hear what you've got to say. That's Buddhist. It's Bullish with Toro. Hi. Season two, season two. All right, guys, we are in Barbados for season two. So I am really excited about this episode. Um, the first foray into the international Bullish with Toro adventure. Uh, <laughs> so um, check this episode out. We're going to learn something about the culture of Barbados, um, importance of language and dialect um, from a poet, a writer, a communication specialist, a journalist. This guy is multifaceted. So uh, enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bullish with Toro, season two. This is Toro, and I'm here today with... Davney Ellis. Hi, Davney. How's it going? It is going pretty good. This is a fantastic view, by the way. Yes, right. we are coming at you from Oystens, Barbados, yeah. looking at the ocean, the beautiful blue, the swaying palm trees. It's a vibe. Yeah, it's, 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 this, is, this is the vibe, like for real, for real. I mean... If there's one place to be trapped in quarantine, in in lockdown, it would probably be this. Like I am, I am envious of this view. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like, well, I you know had to retreat and leave from New York City in the winter, so I figured I'd better do it up. Good for you. Good right, for you. Right. You know. And so you're enjoying your stay. I am. I am. The island has just kind of come out of lockdown. Um, some businesses have started to open. The beach hours have been extended. It used to be that you can only go to the beach from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Now it also has 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. Did a little shopping yesterday, a little drunk shopping. <laughs> Got a really bright pink neon romper. Oh, nice. 50% off. That's great. <laughs> Normal feeling. Yeah, people need the, the sales right now. Um, everybody's mm -hmm. coming off of this space of we were locked down for about a month and a half, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, that was a very long time for us because I don't think I don't think we were down. Were we down that long the first time? Maybe we were down longer the first time we had it. Um, but this time it's been, you know, people were really chomping at the bit to get back. Business is going. Food businesses are back up. People are in the, in the markets are going again. That's really good. Mm -hmm. That's the fish market. Yeah. Yeah. At least people are still being mindful of, the, of coronavirus here still, though. You know, our, our numbers are dropping. Mm -hmm. um, we're down to, you know, very double digit numbers in the, in the tw low 20s, you know, 20 and lower every week now is, is where we are. So we're just hoping to get back down to like, you know, small infection numbers and, you know, try to get everything back open as we did yet last year. Because at one point in time, we had no, we had nothing, no infections. Yeah. No infections, nothing. So we would love to get back to that space. But then all the tourists like me yeah. come and <laughs> mess yeah, things I, up. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I, I really believe that we can still have a blend of tourism and still you know, take care of people here. We just have to be very smart about what we do. And so far, you know, we've tried, but I think a little bit more elbow grease from the administration here would get things done. But, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in government, so I can't say. <laughs> I can't step say. by step. Yeah. Well, speaking of what you are into mm -hmm. and how I know Daveney, since I am fresh <laughs> on this island. <laughs> I met Daveney through a dear friend um, a month ago. I was here with a bunch of friends from New York. And meeting him, I'm hearing him speak a lot about the film industry and comic books. And <laughs> I just love a creative. And so I automatically wanted to get to know more about you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I uh, like Me and my cousin always talk about the fact that we're fonts of useless knowledge. But we, I do tend to spend a lot of time... Um, diving into popular culture has always just been something that i liked i like media uh so i ended up working in media for most of my life as a result and uh, i like all forms of it I, I like radio i like television i like film you know i i, I love internet culture and i hate internet culture at the same time mm -hmm. you know so i i appreciate a lot of things um but yeah, I think that conversation you stumbled into was just uh, two parts, catching up with an old friend and then just having to dive into so much of pop culture that was that we had missed <laughs> together, you know? So it, it was a good experience. It was a good experience for real. Nice. 
Well, before we talk more about what you're up to now, mm -hmm. we got to warm up. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 So this is your chance to think of an exercise. We're going to do it for about a minute and I'm going to throw some rapid fire questions at you. Okay. Okay. Um, what exercise do you want to do? For a minute. Uh, wow. Probably. Let's try push-ups. Push-ups? Okay, let's try we push can do push-ups. Push push Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Okay. What is your astrological sign? Gemini. What is your favorite food? Uh, macaroni pie. Favorite rum? Um, four square detente. Favorite whiskey? Ooh, Abelard 12. DC or Marvel? DC. Ooh, really? Yeah. Wow, best comic book arc. Best comic book arc? Um... Superior Spider-Man by Dan Slott. All right. What's your favorite color? Favorite color is blue. What's your favorite smell? Um, vanilla. What's the best fish? Flying fish. Best film of 2020? <sighs> best film of 2020. Pass. That's a tough one. I can't, oh. I, I, I can't remember right now. And mm. what makes a good poet? Oof. Truth. Ding. Time. Nice ah. job. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That was good. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. I thought best film of 2020 might might be the one that got you. That was always going to be the one to get because I mean, that's to make me think of what I watched in 2020, and I was like, what did I like in 2020 that was good? I was like, hmm. Then I had to remember like what was up. Mm -hmm. What was up? And like I haven't I haven't seen Judas and Black Judas and Black say I have it home, but I haven't watched it yet. And I was like, okay. I that one was that. a bit. That one was that was tough to watch. Of course, I mean, as much as I, as much as I'm all for having far more <laughs> art around the Black Panthers, I'm like, you know how it ends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's rough. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to think. I watched Promising Young Woman. Thought that was cool, but. Is it the best film? <laughs> Promising a woman. I have to check that out. That, that that's a really nice movie. Um, interesting concept too. Like interesting concept. Uh, nothing transcendent or new about it. Just a, a young lady who is a serial killer, but she is a former medical student who has a horrible experience. Um, that forces her to drop out of medical school, medical school, go back home, live with her parents, and works in an ice cream shop. Hmm. Yeah. yeah w sorry, works in a coffee shop, I should say. But it's just, she seems to have no hope, and her life is very dreary. But her dislike of men, based on this traumatic experience, forces her to become a serial killer. Damn. It's 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 got some turns. It's it's a dark dark humor. Um <laughs> Yeah. Carrie Mulligan. Right. Really good in it. All really right. good in it. Um Are you are you feeling warmed up? Oh yeah, I'm definitely warmed up now. <laughs> <laughs> Being a trumpet, I'm always warmed up. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And those and those push-ups were like, you know, it's not even like my full routine, so I was good. Get the blood flowing a little get, bit. Get, get the blood flowing. All right. Yeah, I gotta revisit that. No, you really got me thinking. Like, what did I watch in 2020 that I really loved, that I thought was actually gonna be a really good movie? The problem with me sometimes is like, Academy standard is one thing. Mm -hmm. I appre I appreciate like the ins and outs of film, based on those metrics. I do. The idea of thinking of film as art and being transcendent and having message, it's always vital. But of course, the Academy gets it so wrong all the time. Oscars are a mess. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, this year we found out, you know, we revisited the fact that the Golden Globes are incredibly, incredibly bought and purchased. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But, and then, of course, we have the other problem. Hashtag Oscars so white. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, representation-wise, I don't always feel as though I get to see the things that I want to see or the stories that I think we should be telling. So... I don't know. Maybe you need to create your own. That, that, dun, al dun, dun. that always is the case. And, you know, I feel like, you know, fr like Fran Leibowitz, you know, her slow roll of 
I'll write when I'm ready has really made me feel as though I'm doing nothing wrong when I have to take my time to do stuff. Sure. So I, I'm I'm much more relaxed in the fact that when I do feel as though I'm gonna put my pen back to paper again, because if had to survive for so long mm -hmm. away from being a creative that can just make things off the cuff. Because I used to be really good at that. I used to be really good at just being able to write whatever I wanted to. Okay. We're going to get into this. But yeah. So Dave name. Yes. The name of this podcast is Bullish with Toro. Yes. So what do you think about when you hear the word bullish? Uh, well, I think of Tauruses for sure. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think of... People who take no guff, someone who stands up for themselves, um, someone who is going to push for what they want. And, you know, just just someone who is a no-nonsense individual. If you're bullish, mm -hmm. you're just you're going to be somebody that's going to be stand up in your beliefs and push forward. Aligned with that. Mm -hmm. One of the definitions um, out there, Merriam-Webster, is hopeful or confident that someone or something will be successful. Optimistic about the future of something or someone. So wow. on these episodes, I like to talk to people and figure out what they're up to, mm -hmm. whether they're marching towards success, maybe there are possible roadblocks, and, and kind of get into everyone's intentions and, and mindsets. Yeah. So uh, let's get started. Okay. Before we talk about what you're up to now, right. tell me a little bit about the kind of kid you were. How was it growing up in Barbados? Oh. Um, growing up in Barbados was uh, a fun mix of, you know, taking in small parts of culture and large parts of family. Um, I I think I had a really good childhood. You know, I I, I enjoyed. Yeah, it's dark moments, but I, but I I had some really good memories as a kid. Um, Barbados is. You know, smaller knit society. Most people know most people. So, you know, you grow up. I, my parents, they divorced when I was around three. My, you know, never stopped my father from being a part of our lives. You know, he was a very big part of my life because he was a broadcaster. Mm -hmm. I just recently retired. And one of the best on island, bar none. And I, you know, I very much saw that as something that was like, okay, these are things, parts of what he's doing are things that I like. I just have a certain dislike for how journalism gets like treated here. Like it's it's boxed in far too much. You don't have the 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 undeniable freedom of the press mm -hmm. that comes with something like, you know, America, where you actually have it written into the constitution. You know, you can you have freedom of speech. We do not have freedom of speech here written down in, 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 on a piece of paper that allows us that. We, we still have a certain amount of freedom and it's tricky. There mm -hmm. are aspects of freedom that are written into like our, our laws and whatnot that we have in terms of how we should are able to speak and what we're able to talk about. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it's it's not something that we have immediately that we can point to and be like, look, here, you know, we have freedom of speech. So it, journalists have to do a lot more. Journalists have to do a lot more in terms of like trying to just get revenue and how we're how we have to push back against administrative forces and stand up to government and whatnot. And just being able to survive. You know, I, I've seen how hard he's had to work and what he's had to push himself through and whatnot. And I was like, yeah. But I also absorbed a ginormous amount of pop culture as a child, as I said. Mm -hmm. And it just made me like that. It made me like the fun of what pop culture had to say you know that art could do a lot more things and unfortunately i just liked art why is that unfortunate because artists are always put in the worst position of being <laughs> able to be like you're either your success means you have lots of monetary favor or everyone's just going to remember you afterwards as somebody who was great and artists get a very weird shake in our societies I, th I feel as though artists are always in those two places where it's you're either very appreciated or you're underappreciated and it's 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 a rough take, especially in a country like ours. I feel we do not give enough artists the support that we need. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of artists here that are struggling. A lot of artists here that are doing all the work, and they never can get out of the bubble of what people see because it's not in the zeitgeist. It's not immediately in what people are gravitating towards. It's popular culture, and, and that is the thing that we we suffer with. And we're trying. We are people that are trying. Shout out to my friends, uh, DJ Simmons and Keisha, 
uh, Empress Singer. They just had uh, award show, a People's Choice award show last night. They had the second day of it. And oh my gosh. it was fantastic. They did a virtual awards ceremony because they normally do, they did a big one last year that was like Adi Frank Column Hall and it was well received and people loved it and, and so on. So they, they had to think about how they're going to top it this year. And doing a virtual awards this year was really good because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And response was great, professional. And those are people who love the arts. They're like, DJ is one of my favorite poets in life. He's the person that inspired me to be a spoken word artist mm-hmm. later on. And they don't suffer as artists. They don't want to suffer. They want to embolden everyone. And, and they're highlighting the artists in the bar, the Bayesian community. All of them. like for Because it's a People's Choice Awards for various categories. Like, mm. yeah, like makeup artist of the year and, you know, um, best social media personality, uh, photographer. Of oh, the I year, love that. Graphic artist. The, the project year. manager in me is thinking of all the lists and it's, structuring it, it. And the thing about it is they open it up to everyone. They say the next year, they say, what do you want us to put as a category? And people can put whatever they want as a category. I suggest Get them new engaged. categories. They yeah, engage. That's great. It be, and it's fantastic. So, you know, I. I all that absorption of culture growing up, lots of lots of hours watching TV, reading comic books as a kid, and and listening to music off chance, really pushed me in a space later where it was like I want to, I want to do something with this other than simply just you know tell other people's stories. I wanted to tell my own, and I wanted to figure out how to do that. So eventually, you know, I went to film school, mm-hmm. spent. Three years, I found out. Three years the other day, I realized that I spent in, in Miami. It's kind of crazy. I, I I thought it was four. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I graduated in three years. And, you know, I had a lot of experiences living in, in the United States that were just a lot of, a lot of concentrated experiences that I didn't think I was going to have. Any you want to share? Um, Just the weird reconciling with, from, uh, of, of what it's like to come from a place where you are the majority to go to some place where you become the minority and you know a lot of the the latent fear that i thought was like might might have been exaggerated to see that it wasn't it was mm. was a a big shock you know seeing racism really be interacting with people yeah. who were treating you with bigotry that was weird for the first time and made me have to process a lot of emotions that I wasn't prepared for. Like I never heard anyone like treat me like that here before because all my friends were black. Yeah. You know, they're like, you don't normally have to, you know, we have a, a soft segregation in our society. A soft segregation. Yeah. 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 We have soft that we have, we have soft segregation in Barbados. We, we don't have all right segregation in Barbados. So it's not that you can sit down and say that like there are communities that you know, you can't go into, but Black people, brown people, white people in our societies keep to ourselves. We we purposely keep to ourselves. And we, we it's very much one of those things where coming from plantocracy, you know, planters that were here before inherited a lot of money. They kept that money. They kept land. And they ended up closing off themselves because they were the people that became the merchant class here. They became the people that had more access to things. And housing segregation and everything whatever housing was created after that was created for black people those were kept separate those changed the ways in which we were able to indoctrinate ourselves in society you know thanks to you know we did have administrators that wanted to change the course of things we have free public education you know that's something it it trust me like a lot of our social services may not be the the best in the world but the fact that we still have them like we have we have subsidized to free healthcare. So, you know, you can go to the to the hospital, you can go to any clinic here and you will get treated. You will get treated. Like you we have a drug formulary. So drugs are subsidized. You know, those are things that, that are labored for and paid for by people who came before us. So everything isn't terrible. It's just there are things that we would like to see changed. You know, we would like to have better discourse when it comes to race and barbados, but there is racism here that we don't address. There's racism here we don't address. And it's just different. It's just very different than what you would experience living in a society where the racism is in your face. And from the majority. Correct. When you feel it, when you feel it, when you have to 
perform a certain level of blackness to exist. Because I've been followed home by the cops. That experience, they, it never settled into my head that I got followed home by the cops until I got home. And I was like, and I put my bag down. And I was like, did I just get followed home by the cops from school? Like, and I, I, I would never experience this here. You know, yes, class plays a factor in terms of stuff like that here, where police will target people based on class, which is an onset aspect of racism trickling yes. down. And we still have to tackle those things here, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Like, like I do not fear being pulled over by the police. I do not worry about it. Here. I do not in Barbados. Yeah. I do not fear it in Barbados. I fear if I have to travel. When I travel to, to these states, I immediately go into a place of, of I have to be very careful. Mm-hmm. I have to be careful how I'm seen. I have to be careful what people think of me. I have to be careful how I appear because I am worried that I could get killed. And I don't feel that here. Like, I, I it, it's why seeing images of, of, of black trauma and pain through, like, police brutality and watching, like, lynchings on television is so traumatic. It's not something that I grew up having to see and deal with. Our our trauma when it comes to slavery is distinctly different. So, you know, again, my entire upbringing was distinctly different. I, my, my first interactions with understanding racism came through television. You know, watching Eyes on the Prize, watching documentaries. What's Eyes on the Prize? Eyes on the Prize was a documentary series that um, talked about civil rights. Okay. So it, it it detailed a large part of civil rights in America, some parts of England and whatnot. It, it's it's a pretty good documentary series, but we we just had to learn about those things. Otherwise, we also don't get taught about our history well here. I feel like that's a, a similar case in the U.S. Too. Universal problem. Yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty, I had the deepest amount of Black history that I've ever gotten in my entire life yeah like, just from doing independent research yeah there's there's so much stuff that we we don't we get neglected from passing on and then we get we have a cultural like divide here where people always argue about our culture being left out and what we're not being taught and it's like we're not preserving it correctly to be able to tell it so if you're foundationally being taught a lie and you continue telling lies then how do you expect to pass it on you know we we have a large part of our artistic community that is really really like not getting the kudos that they deserve and that was one of the first questions i asked you was where's the the artist community in right right and 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 i think that a couple of things happen We, we we have movements we have movements and motions around how people can can preserve art like there are times when the artistic community comes together here and it's fantastic like i would probably have to direct you to the national cultural foundation which which does it it tries to do a good job but because it's it's state run, it's is always in this very weird position where it's like you know we're reliant on funding to do these things. When it's like you know we should have a, a stronger hand in doing this. Like the museum is is they try sometimes they want to get involved in those practices. Like before COVID, they were about to have um, a, a residency for poets, and I had signed up, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this. I was all for it, and then they had to cancel it. And I was like, ah. Oh. That sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it, it. there are people who are working together. There are tons of artists here that are dedicated to preserving culture, that are dedicated to challenging the norms of our society in terms of how things have existed for eons and saying the truth, saying the absolute truth. So, you know, I, I can point you to those people. That's not a problem. I remember I said that before, and I, I still will. Mm-hmm. I can point you to people who do that work. It's just, they'll tell you that they're struggles. They'll tell you that, you know, they, they're comedians here. They're comedians here that will that cannot, you know, eat for a living off of their work. And they're good. <laughs> they, are, they are fine artists here. They're sculptors here. They're some of the best sculptors I've ever seen in the entire world in this country. And, and they can't, you know, succeed. Like we 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 only let a few people through. Like, you know, Sheena Rose is probably one of the only people that you'll hear about constantly from Barbados who is doing big things in fine art. And it's 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 great that Sheena can get the accolades that she gets. However, you know, like there's so many other people that are behind Sheena that are there that are just as good that are doing the work that that, that need to be seen that don't get the recognition 
that can't eat off of their damn work. <laughs> and, and that upsets me, you know? Music. And the unfortunate nature of you liking the arts. It is. It is. And that that's what it is. That's what that is. Like, I, I, I think the thing for me is that there's so many people that I would love to support all the time. There's so many people that I would love to see succeed. There's so many artists here that I love their work, that I think their work is outstanding. And I just wish the rest of the world could see that. Let's talk about your art. Ah. Um, You're oh, a content creator now yes. for work. Yes. Uh, Would you say I, that's a passion of yours or just? Well, kind of. I, I, I've fallen into a space where I've always liked to create, um, you know, different media for different purposes. Um, I, I, I'm now starting back doing podcasting again myself. Hey-o. And, you know, I, I liked podcasting because I like, I like cutting audio. I like working with audio. But I also like editing. I like creating video. And I like doing graphic design a little bit. And, you know, but I like writing. You know, being a, a spoken word artist gives me a lot more flexibility. Because my voice as a tool is something that I appreciate. My voice as a tool is something that I appreciate. I, I like the power that's there to make people feel things. Like doing performance art in front of people is transformative. You know, you get to connect with people in a completely different way. And again, you get to speak your truth. Every single time that I've done something that was well-received, it was because it was honest. It was because it was honest. It, it, that, that's, that's the only thing that I would tell people. Don't lie about your work. Like, put yourself in your work. Risk putting yourself in your work. It's worth it. And I love the transformative aspect of being able to stand up in front of people and become, like, that moment to become those words to transfix people in that space. I haven't done it in a while because of COVID. Even before then, I was trying to transition to just writing more. But I really, really appreciate the ability to to perform for people. Like it's it's fun. It's nerve wracking, but it, it's it's always fun because you're giving somebody something. You're giving them part of yourself. And that feels good. That feels good. I, th I had pigeonhole myself a little bit for a while because people only, I used to perform at this particular event. Um, we had a love poetry and song event that used to come off near Valentine's. So people used to like me performing for that. So they like love poetry from me. And I was like, I like talking about this. But I don't like talking about this all the time. So, I, What don't you like talking about? Um... The art of the fact that you're interested in spoken poetry? No, 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 no. It, it's 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 the it's the boxing in of people seeing you as one thing all the time. So people will gravitate towards me as a spoken word artist who only talks about love and lust. And I was like, yeah, there's tons of other work and tons of other stuff that I'm saying that you're not getting. And you can always evaluate people mm. based on like what what they're getting from out of the work because sometimes like I can write a piece about heartbreak that is so passionate that it's that when you say it people are moved and they're driven and they're they feel romanticized by it but they're not taking away the pain and it's like you can feel the pain and the only thing that you see sense from the pain is this man loves and he loves so much and what people do is that they internalize it and it's like I wish I had that. I wish I had someone who loved me that much. Not like I feel. These are the consequences of. No, 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 no <laughs> oh. one feels the the way of this person is in pain. They feel the, I wish I had someone that loved me like him. And that's something that I've always, I was always like, oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> like, mm. like this is, this is a dangerous place to be in. Cause it's like people approach you and they think you're this thing. And it's like, yeah, I'm a complex person. I'm, I'm far more than this thing. And, you know, I, I see people do that with artists all the time. Whereas, like, you see people, like, they'll be spoken word artists that one, one of the best on him is a guy called Adrian Green. Uh, Adrian is, like, a very stoic po poet. He speaks a lot about, you know, pro-blackness and self-awareness and, you know, pan-Africanism and culture, connection to self and culture and identity. And he's also one of the funniest people I've ever known. Ever known. <laughs> but people don't get that from his work. You know, you're not going to hear hear that. It is there is there are funny things in his work. He can he can be funny. Um, 
as Barbadians would say, you can make enough sport. Make uh, enough sport. Make enough sport. Okay. Uh, you can make enough sport, but at the same time, you miss that because all you see is this one thing. All you want to see is this one thing. And and we do that to artists and celebrities a lot, whereas like, we just want to see what we want to see. We put ourselves first. We center ourselves first around the art. And we never let the art exist, you know? We never let artists just be those things. It's kind of like when I was telling you before about the Rihanna thing, uh, like before, I had mentioned how I liked Rihanna's last album. And I only came to really like Rihanna as a musician because of her last album. I had a, I had an understanding of her being a, a good pop star, but I really appreciated the work that she put into that. Like, like and then like before then with like um, Rated R, like the identity around like creating this very risque person. And that isn't for me to dictate to her who to be, you know? It's far more about accepting that when someone creates a piece of art, it exists. It's out in the open. Like absorb the art for what it is and then move forward from there. Like you don't have to like it. You can not like it and just leave it there, you know? But I don't need to dictate to her who to be mm -hmm. as an artist. So for all the people that want that next album, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> let her just be. Let her live. Let her live. So, yeah, I... I I create a, a space for myself as an artist that I just want to speak truth. Like I, I keep, I try to keep myself alive in terms of poetry. Still, I have a poetry page still that I still try to post stuff on. Try to keep the exercise of writing going. Uh, I, I promised myself I was going to publish my book this year, so I have to publish my book this year. <laughs> so it, it's sitting there on my on my laptop. It's it's pretty much done. I just have to enter. I just have to edit it. And just be like, find a way to be like, all right, well, here is the manuscript and put it out into the world. But yeah, like I'm I'm fearful of that piece of work because I had to go back in because that was very rough, very lusty, very love driven. Because my my my, my intent was to always do a love poem book first, like to before I talk about like how I see the world and what it's like living as a Caribbean person, a Caribbean black man in a post-colonial world like i just felt if i wanted to be able to get that out of the way to talk about love in its in its rawest form and lust in, in those spaces because that was who i was at the point first so i'd like to check that off and then go forward i think this is the perfect transition to the main question of the podcast mm -hmm. and i think we've touched on it a little bit already and it is dave name yes are you doing what you want to be doing with your life um, you know, I've questioned that in the last like couple months. Yes and no. I, I would say that I think just the ability to create is something that I just like doing. How I create and who I'm creating for is distinctly different. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I like. I like the feeling of knowing that I'm helping others with my work, that I'm giving space to others with my work, that I'm doing something that can help other people see themselves, that can help other people see truth. And I think right now, just creating content in general, like if I'm just doing YouTube videos, if I'm doing podcasting where I'm talking about art from, from here, you know, musicians that I like, that I think people need to hear from, um, or just writing poetry, you know, you're giving people something, even if it's a small amount of people. You know, I've always said, like, if I move one person in the crowd when I spit a poem, I've done my job. Mm -hmm. If one person liked it, I'm like, cool. You know, I'm glad you appreciated it and saw the truth in what I was trying to do. You know, yeah, of course I want to move the whole crowd, but my whole intent is to just at least connect, connect and just say the truth, mm -hmm. connect and say the truth. So I would say yes and no. Um, of course, I'd like to make a whole bunch of money and give back to people too and help my family out and, you know, just secure a life for myself and whatnot. Um, but I just want to be able to create something that is fulfilling as well. So I can just keep saying that truth because I think that there's so many stories to tell. There's so many things that I would like to be able to tell. There's so many stories that I think we can tell here and pay homage to our culture and where we come from and 
all the work that was done, you know, all this stuff is carved into my bones and my damn DNA and my history of my legacy, uh, of my family's legacy is still there to be told. And that's why I also like, you know, speaking that truth. That's why I believe in honesty. That's why I believe in that truth, you know, with empathy, of course. Yes, please. With care, with care, because there's no point in telling truth if it has to always come through the harshness of reality. It will always cut deepest. And I, I don't need to cut you for you to feel things. Mm. I don't need to cut you for you to feel things. I just want you to just feel what you're feeling. Connect with, with, with what I'm telling you, but feel what you're feeling. You know? Then, then my truth becomes yours. My truth becomes yours. Is it fair to say you want to create content then around the Bayesian culture? Yeah, I do. I actually, like, there's so many ideas that I actually want to make sure that are, that are honest to the lived experience of somebody who comes from the Caribbean because we don't get, we don't get seen. <laughs> we don't get seen. Like, do you know, do you know Sparrow died and did not get a proper RAP at the Grammys? Like, what is that? What is that? Like, honestly, like, like, I, I don't understand how one of the greatest musicians ever can pass on and not be recognized by the whole world. Like that's upsetting. Like one of our one of our um, Calypsonians, uh, Mighty Gabby, genius, absolute genius, absolute genius, recognized by lots of people across the world. Can't get on a worldwide stage. Can't get on a worldwide stage. Why do you think that is, though? Whiteness, uh, racism, uh, I don't know, um, Western, I don't know, monopoly on entertainment, not seeing people that look like us, that come from here, that speak like us, have space and giving us space, and then having to tell us, make it ourselves all the damn time. It's like, we know, we, we make it, we, we praise this man all the time. We give him awards. We, we, he's seen as a legend. He's seen as a hero, a cultural icon, raised up above so many other people. But it still pisses me off that the rest of the world refuses to recognize what we're doing. Marshall Montano can sell out Madison Square Garden. Easily. Easily. No Grammy stitch? Can you tell me that he doesn't deserve a Grammy at all? The thing that drives every single carnival across the globe is, is soca music. Mm -hmm. No category? <laughs> None? That's a good point. Like, not, no, no VMA? Nothing? We don't exist. We don't exist to those people. That annoys me. Our stories are ours. We tell them all the time, but we are not seen. You know, the real pet peeve of mine? What? Keep hiring people who can't do our accents to talk like us. Like, what is that? <laughs> there are tons of Jamaican actors. Hire one. Just hire one. Get some authenticity. There's nothing wrong with doing representation well. We exist. We're here. We're just asking to be seen. And then we have to go and tell you that we exist for you to understand that we exist. We, we like it, it's always this thing. And, and and you know, I know representation is always a tricky thing because you don't just want to be in the room. You want to have a valid place. Yeah, and a voice. You want people to understand that my experience is unique. You know, there are tons of people who talk about how oh, it's very difficult to reconcile who we are, as opposed to what you know, the lived experience of anyone within the diaspora has. But the connecting threads are always there. So I always talk about how Soka is connected to some aspects of Afropop and how that has its, the old Calypso has its own threads to Nigerian bubblegum pop. My people. And you can hear the horns that are in old Calypso that sound very similar to the horns in Fela Cody's music. Bella. So it's like, if you yeah. don't realize that we're still doing this stuff together, then what's the point? 
You know, like we belong here. Africa has the same problem. Recognition isn't still there. Glad Burner won, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, that's important. That matters to be seen. To be seen because we recognize us. We recognize us. We just want the world to see us and realize that we're here. It's not just Rihanna. She, We know she's there. But when I tell people that there's so many people here that are really great, Edwin Yearwood, Allison Hines, like Lil Rick, like there's so many entertainers that are killing it, that have been killing it, that deserve those accolades. I think though, perhaps this is a, it needs to be more like what your friends were doing of creating the space they want to see versus waiting for the current system to change. We, we aren't waiting for the system to change. We, it, 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 we are not waiting for the system to change. We know that we we know that you don't want us there. That is the problem. Oof. We know that we're not invited. You understand? We know. Mm. We know because let me tell you, like, like we understand that our stories have no place at your table. We understand that you can use us whenever you want. The same way that colonial powers have always used us for what you wanted. The same way you stole our sugar and carried it across the wind and taxed us for it. That is how we are seen to the rest of the world. Our bodies, our lives, our blood, everything is taken from us constantly. We know. We know. Like I said, it's carved in our DNA. It's not going anywhere. And the truth is that we are going to have to keep fighting because, like I said, change is a constant thing. Changes forever. Changes for your whole life. You will have to fight for change. And it's, it's something that you have to make up in your mind. And that's what you about. If you say you're going to fight this today, you're fighting it tomorrow, you're fighting it for the rest of your life. Because it ain't going to change just like that. Mm-hmm. In that time. And you got to be water to stone. You got to be water to stone. Ooh, what does that mean? It means that water can cut stone. It can come in a rush. It can come in a torrent. But water can cut stone. It may take 10,000 years to cut that stone, but a droplet of water can cut through stone with time and precision. You could be the water to your stone. You can cut through it. It just takes time. If you find a way to build the pressure to cut through it with speed, even better. But water will cut stone every single time. And scene. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Okay. Shoot, I feel like I just, I was almost going to ask you to like spit a line, but I feel like you're just doing it this whole time. It's amazing. (laughs) The problem is like, like I said to somebody, like when I write write from a place of understanding that I have to marry two things. I have to marry the love of what I am as a person, the love of who we are as people, and the things that hold us back sometimes. And that can be love. That can be the frustration of not being with the person that you want to be. That can just not being able to exist in your truest self. That can be watching people struggle with everyone else telling them who not to be. Like, it's so much of our lives that I just feel just we're denied. We're just constantly denied our truth. And that upsets me. It obsessed me. But best part is that I get to live in an environment that I think I get to experience some of the best things ever. I am so happy that my friends were able to do that award show yesterday Mm -hmm. because they deserve so much praise for that. Do you know what it's called? It's called the Gain On Awards. And I have to spell it in its correct parlance because, again, they are cultural practitioners. There are people who try to preserve exactly who we are. And dialect is one of those things. Mm-hmm. Our dialect is one of those things. Always remember dialect is rebellion. Dialect is a, is a form of rebellion. It is an absolute form of rebellion. Creole is a form of rebellion and is a unifying force within the Caribbean and diaspora. People need to remember that. Say more. How is dialect a rebellion? Okay. Small example. You as a people, like, you are given language from some someone else. Language is not given, it's created. Mm-hmm. Language is not given, it is created. Someone can't give you a language. So when you are forced, forced to speak a language, when you're forced to adhere to the confines of that language for so long, 
It is not yours. It is something that is pushed upon you. That's what happened to a lot of people as enslaved people. As enslaved people, we were forced into a language that was not ours. Adapting to that language to create our own was a form of rebellion because we had to create certain words to be able to survive because we couldn't let oppressors know what, they, what we were talking about. So we created our own dialect. We created our own lingo. We said things for ourselves. We coded things for ourselves. It's why when we code switch, we do it to survive. Your actual language is your dialect. It's what you know you speak amongst yourselves. That's the language that keeps you alive because that's the language that makes you happy. Those are the things that you say that connect to you, that connect to your truth. The entire diaspora is connected by Creole. Entire diaspora is connected by Creole. Broken English is a way to fight back. It's a, it's a way to fight back. I, I kid you not, the experience changed me. I got flown other side of, to Colombia. I was out in a um, small island called San Andres and it had a Creole festival. And to be in Colombia and this very remote island, to have all these people from across the Caribbean who all spoke a form of dialect, a form of Creole in some form or fashion, either broken from English to French, broken to English to Spanish, like all of them, all of them coming together and everybody understood each other. Mm. Everybody looked like, looked like each other. This is the, the Rizal people of Colombia in that small place in San Andreas look like people from Barbados. Share culture with people from Barbados. Do things very similar to people from Barbados. And the rest of the region. They have connections to Jamaica. My other people. <laughs> and they use that language as a way to survive because they're indigenous to that space. But that place was conquered by the Spanish. So they're forced to speak Spanish. But they're pushing to be seen as their own people. And the only way they can do that is by holding on to their heritage of language. So for them, Creole is immediately about preserving themselves. It's about preserving who they are. And we take that for granted. We take that for granted. We really do. We really do. It's why, you know, the whole idea of appropriation is always a funny topic for people. You know, like proximity to blackness is always cool. People want to be close to us because we are the cool people. <laughs> we are. We are. It's what we do. Everything is done for black people with swagger, with cool. We take things and we make them ours. We we do. We, we, you give us hardship and we turn it into greatness. It's what we do. It's not something we should have to do, but it's something yeah. we do. So, I, I, you know, I wish more black people would understand that, you know, you need to start working towards creating a space for that here. But again, our conservatism is something that stops us from doing that. Our conservatism stops us from owning it. Some people have tried. We have a dictionary of, of dialect. You know, we have people who want to preserve our dialect. Like the same way that Jamaica has made Patois a national language, you know, we should look towards thinking about our dialect as a natural, national language and teach it, preserve it, keep it. Because it's something that keeps us distinct. It's who we are. It's how our songs are written. It's how we speak to each other when we're in rum shops. It's how we greet each other. It's how we talk about life. It's how our parents talked about life. It's how our grandparents talked about life. And we should love that because it's who we are. <laughs> it's our identity. It's our truth. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to speak the Queen's English. <laughs> I don't want to speak the Queen's English. You know, like, why would I? <laughs> she doesn't speak mine. <laughs> she doesn't speak for me. She doesn't speak my language. So I don't need to speak hers. I don't. Shoot, they don't even speak the Queen's English over there. That's crazy to me. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a bit of a beef with language, especially as somebody who does spoken word. Exactly. You know, Yeah. word power. Word power, manifest. 
we manifest what we speak about. So why am I saying it with somebody else's tongue? I don't know many poets, so this is this is just really fascinating to me. Oh yeah, yeah. It should. Yeah, it's a shame that I haven't been like doing much more than writing small sonnets. Like I, I wish I could. If I was still really full blown back in in that space, like you could really meet some people. Like there's some women here that are just fantastic. Like uh, there's a young girl that I really like now, Cindy Celeste. She has an album out right now, um, syndicated. Um, you should check it out. It's on Spotify. Uh, she's good. That girl is is good. Like, like I believe in Cindy. Uh, Winston Farrell, one of the best like griots we've ever had. Like older generation, Adi Sandwille. Um, also, he's a rhythm poet. Very good. Like good standard beer. A rhythm poet. Yeah, like rhythm poetry is close to to spoken word, but it's. It's it's far more drum driven. It's far more mm, like driven okay. driven off of carrying from beat to to word, and it, it's it has has a lot of roots that are grounded in um, Pan Africanism. It has a lot of heritage driven roots from it because speaking from way of the drum, like the language of the drum, is something that carries in terms of what we do in terms of syncopation. So carrying back and forth on a metronomic tone based on drum beats and speaking. You know, talking from from that space is something that a lot of our ancestors did. So he's he's a very good standard bearer for it. But there are a lot of people. There are a lot of people that have, have that do that work here. Again, don't get the credit for it because when we do have those movements, when we do have those moments when it culturally is relevant, it picks up. It picks up, you know, but it doesn't it doesn't get the the push it deserves. Maybe you need to take your broadcast journalism background and go back to dealing with that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I used to I used to do a show that um, highlighted a lot of spoken word artists. I did. I, I, it it ran for a very short time, and people still talk. Every people still come up to me and talk about it all the time because it still airs. Like it still comes on and repeats every once in a while. So people are like, "I saw you on television." And I was like. That was from 2007. What like, was that called? What was that segment called? Uh, uh, Lyrics Born. And that was before I found out that it was a group called that name. So I was like, oh, shoot. We, oh. We, we, we can't use this name. And I was like, yeah. But it was it was a fun show to do. It was a really fun show. I didn't, mean to, I didn't make a dime. So I hope if they're listening, like, <laughs> I got a cent from it. Like, you got a city corporation for that. <laughs> like, I don't think they sponsored it. So I don't think they make a dime from it either. Um, but it, it was really good being able to do like really creative work and being able to show people like up and coming talent and get spoken word a space that was mainstream because it was like, yeah, I think this deserves mainstream. This is mainstream appeal. Mm -hmm. Like, kid you not, greatest feeling is knowing that you're doing a show with a whole bunch of other entertainers and people are, you know, getting ready with all their instruments and they're going through all this other rigor to set up and do all these other things. And then when you come to you, it's like, what do you need? And it's like a microphone. And you're like, you don't want anything else? It's like, I just want a spotlight and a microphone. And it's like, you sure? It's like, yeah. That's all I want. So I need. And then they're like, okay. And then you get up there and you steal the show from everybody. You can be the best person there. You can be the one person that everybody remembers. You know, why could you speak with absolute clarity? You speak with absolute clarity. You touch somebody at the back of the room just by telling the truth. Just by telling the truth. Even if that truth is, I hungry, like they'll feel it. <laughs> they'll feel it. And they'll remember it. They'll friggin' remember it. Great, great feeling. Great feeling knowing that you could be the person that walks into an arena full of people and be the person that everybody remembers because you told them about how they feel. And you related to them. You connected with them immediately. I mean, it's, a, it's the same way that like most entertainers that sing that, you know, have really big, impactful songs feel. It's like, you know, when somebody comes and tells you, you know, like, I, I remember your song because it helped me when it was down and whatnot. It's similar feeling. Similar feeling. So... Yes, you are doing what you want to be doing with your life because you are writing. Yeah, I'm writing. I'm creating content. You know, I'm, I'm trying trying my best to still fulfill my own damn journey. Mm -hmm. 
So, so where's the no? The no is coming from the fact that I am I, I just want to be able to survive and and have a fulfilling life insecurity. You know, I want to be able to take care of the people in my life and and make a good living doing it, you know? Because doing content and not making it sense for me is hard. You know, you want to be able to be in a space where you can do more than just what other people want. You want to do what you want. And you know, I'd love to be able to do all the kind of content that I want to make, like just be able to make the videos and do the podcasting and write the books and, you know, write the scripts and, you know, do everything, you know, that I want to and get a decent check from it. But, you know, the space is not always available for you to do those things. You know, um, you're not always going to have the freedom. You sometimes have to change the route. And that's the struggle that always exists. Like uh, my friend, um, I'd mentioned a friend of mine that lives in Pittsburgh. Um, he is one of the most talented artists I've ever seen in my entire life. He, he's a fine artist. And, you know, he's he's doing banking now, you know, because he needs to survive because he has a mortgage. <laughs> you know, you grow up and you realize, hey, I want to be able to do this thing. And he's like, I need to do this thing to survive. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I know one day he's probably going to go back to doing it. But in the meantime, you know, he doesn't feel as fulfilled in terms of this job. He has to find ways to be fulfilled in this job now and be like, okay. Because that's something I have to do personally all the time is like transition and be like, okay, this doesn't fulfill me. But what am I doing well here? That's healthy. Yeah, like what am I good at here? You know, I had to had to do that. You know, when I first started working in, in television, I had to do that because I was like, uh, I want to just write. And I was like, oh, no, there's no space here. They don't have writers like that here because TV just works in a very, very small space. It's only about like it was only about 12, 13 people inside the television production department that were actually behind the brains of the thing. So it's like, how do you create in that space with no team? Mm-hmm. You know, barely any budget, no team. And you have to come up with all these ideas and have to make them work. So it's like there's a boundless approach that your back's always against the wall. So you have to be like, how do I innovate from this space? You do have a lot of freedom, but you don't have as much freedom because you have to be afraid of the fact that conservative viewership is going to tell you no, <laughs> which is something great now because, you know, we're challenging that, you know, with with far more liberal approaches to how we see things. But I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if, we, if we're capable of, of getting to those spaces easily. Um. But yeah, I, I'd like I had to go and transition there myself. I had to get in that frame of mind. I had to convince myself, all right, look, it's okay. You're allowed to survive. You're allowed to survive. There's nothing wrong with you not doing this thing now and doing it later. There's nothing wrong with figuring this mm-hmm. out later. Mm-hmm. And and just taking it taking the knee and realizing, all right, focus on what you can do. Focus on what you're doing well. And do that. And just take it a step at a time. I tell my girlfriend um, all the time. Just because you can't do everything all at once doesn't mean you can't do one thing well. So do one thing. If mm. there's if if you have to go through a whole day and you got 20 things doing, focus on doing one of them well. Focus on doing one of them well and just do that one thing and then come back tomorrow and do the other thing and then come back the day after that and do the other thing. And it's the only way to get through because if you focus on everything you didn't get done, yeah, you're going to be mad. <laughs> you're going to be so mad at yourself. You won't forgive yourself. And that's the thing you need to do, forgive yourself. Because, look, I had to learn that one. And I remember I told you the I told you before this conversation, you know, I had I had figured out that men have intuition. And the revelation and the upset that came <laughs> with figuring out men have intuition. I was like, who didn't tell me that men could have intuition? Why didn't men decide that we could have intuition? Men, you have intuition. Like, like, like I want I want men to realize that you have intuition. Like it's not just for women. Like, seriously, like trust yourself. Trust how you feel. It is a revelatory experience when you can rely on how you feel, your experiences, and just trust yourself. You know. You know. <laughs> like, go from that space. 
go from that space not in a cocky like overconfident idea of i know but a trusting deep understanding of how you feel and what motivates you will guide you that men should have had this years ago <laughs> like men should have had this ever since you know but coming into that space feeling the comfort of knowing that i can still do things gets me through it gets me through so i i i I feel comfortable. I feel comfortable, but I still want to challenge those ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, I still have to challenge those ideas because, I, like I said, the unsatisfying parts of why I said no, I need to right that ship. I need to figure out how to make that right with self. And I'm forgiving myself in that time frame too because I don't want to be mad at myself all the time and be disappointed and feel it if I'm failing and not not work on my failure. So... I would say surround yourself too with other people who want to develop and who have the same mission as you because there's going to be opportunities for collaboration. Yeah, that's something that I'm trying to fall into a lot more too, trying to find like many people that I can collaborate with to do more work with because it's it's about risk. It's about risk. Giving up power and simply just risking, mm-hmm. you know, and being far more vulnerable in spaces that you're not used to being vulnerable. So, yeah. It's it's a trip. <laughs> it's a trip. You know, I, I've always been somebody who kind of bloomed a little too late and I'm I'm embracing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm embrace I'm I've been trying to embrace it my whole life, but I, I figure things out eventually. That's the problem. Eventually. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 where I am now. All right. I feel like you it's important to try not to put timing on success correct because if you do you can drive yourself crazy like i'm the kind of person who has a list yeah all the time a whiteboard I write everything <laughs> i want to do in a day and i don't always get everything done correct. in that day correct and that's something that i had to divorce myself from i had to be like yes i can meet a deadline but meeting a deadline is not necessarily the same thing as being fulfilled like mm-hmm. like if I can do this to finish that deadline, does that mean that I like what did? No. And I've had to do that in many occasions. There are times when I would do something and I'd be like, I, I met your deadline and then be unsatisfied with product and be like, I'm going to do this over and not tell you <laughs> and then bring it back to you and be like, here's other thing. <laughs> like I did what you wanted. Now take a look at what I did. You know, the way that I think we should do it. Or a way that I think is a better way to do it, or, or another way of doing things, you know. Um, but several approaches take several approaches. Take time, you know. I, I'm not I'm not against figuring things out and figuring out your journey for yourself. You know, everyone has a different path. Everyone has to figure those things out. Like you just have to be able to be fortunate enough, because I am fortunate enough. You know, I'm privileged enough to at least have a space that, you know, provided for me that I can have some sense of security for right now, you know, and that's something that I'm not taking for granted. I I can take a little bit of time to get back up and be like, all right, let me find something that's going to work for me. Let me let me try to create a space that works, that I can make a little more money doing this. Like, try to figure out the corners a little bit more. That comes with privilege. I'm not, and like I said, I'm not going to take it for granted, but Whatever privilege you do have, work with it. Work with it. There are people that are working with less and making more. You know? Uh, one of the things that's making it very hard here is that uh, social media creators are saying, undoubtedly, we have a lot of blockages that are stopping us. Uh, Instagram, for one, is very difficult to work with because we do not have the access to things like reels here. So we don't have or the music or music. Yes, we yeah. don't have Instagram music or reels. So I really hope that that can change. That somehow we can. The fact that we have Spotify is a good step. No, you know. Uh, so hopefully we can get some change to allow creators to have more access to tools because there are a lot, of, a lot of creatives here that want that access because they know that they're probably making more of an impact overseas, and 
we know that we're blocked from getting into particular markets because our product is, isn't being seen by those spaces that things that we create are not being pushed into those other spaces as easily that if we don't we have to go and trick the algorithms to get into those spaces vpn yeah that we have to we have to constantly be like i have to go and push this in this space so that i'm seen over here as opposed to seen in this region and that that's absurd that's absurd like why why, why would you not want to simply just it's the world wide web everyone should be able to see you like everybody should be able to see you. Dave Nee. Mm-hmm. When we get up from this table in a minute, mm-hmm. what are you what are you gonna walk away from this conversation with? Um any plans for the immediate future towards what you know you want to accomplish? Hope. The thing that I always try to pull away from spaces like this is just the drive to just create more just to get back up on your horse and just do it and risk it. That's the thing that I'm, I'm pushing and pushing myself to do. Just, just put myself out there just take the risk, just take the risk and be afraid of, don't be afraid of failing. Don't be afraid of getting it wrong. Don't be afraid of, of making the mistake. Just, just speak your truth and just create. That's the thing that I'm, I'm going to try to do more of. I'm just going to, you know, the renewed, the renewed idea around just creating. Like this was a step for me to be like, I need to get back into podcasting. I need to just do it, you know, and yeah, stop being so afraid of just jumping back into it and just, just take it back up because I love doing it. I love talking to people. I really do. And, and there's so many, again, so many artists here that I've had great conversations with Mahalia from Two Mile Hill, Taff Hinkson, rapper, um, Malik Mall, another rapper, uh, Ashley Phillips, um, great singer, Chian, great singer, um, Matthew Murrow, playwright, um, Lucy Hammonds, activist, also a playwright, um, just people that I know that are great people to talk to, that have stories that are unique to this environment, that will talk to you, talk your ear off about what they want to see change, how they want to impact social change, mm-hmm. how there are issues here with the LGBTQ community that need to be changed directly, laws that need to be shifted, that there's work that needs to be done to prop up the playwright community, that like when it comes to acting, we need to support our actors. The filmmaking community needs help. They need people too. When it comes to art, when it comes to activism, when it comes to life, there are people here that just need to be heard. And I, I, I just want to be able to help those people be heard and be seen. So I just got to get back on my horse. I just got to do it. I just got to do it and not care. That's the thing that I need to get back. That, that feeling of I don't care. About Let's go. I just, just do it. So that's the thing that I'm going to take away from this, that I need to just just do it and stop caring so much. Just just put it out there and package it and, and you know, let people see it. So, yeah. Keep, just keep creating. Yeah, just keep creating. Just keep creating. Just keep creating, y'all. Just keep creating. Okay, you can find Daveney on Instagram at Daveney Ellis. That's D-A-V-E-N-Y-E-L-L-I-S. And his poetry page, Daveney Ellis Poetry. So I hope you guys took something away from this episode, uh, learned something a bit about a culture that you might not have already been aware of. Um, And if you know any artists, go and support them. If that means going to see a show, sharing their information, sharing their posts, um, do that. I know that they would all appreciate that. And uh, let's support our communities and let's support artists. Until next time. Bye. It's Bullish with Toro. Bye.